it should be the goal of everyone seeking God to understand God's righteousness. Because until you understand God's righteousness, you don't know what He requires from you. There were two scriptures I've been considering for some time. One is found in Deuteronomy chapter 10, and that one is found in, I think, Malachi. And there the scriptures reveals to us that God requires something from us. Um, part of those scriptures said, What does the Lord require of you, O Israel? But that you should love Him, you should fear Him, keep His commandment, and all of that. Uh, maybe I'm going to look at that scriptures in details. But the fact I first want to confront you with is the fact that in your relationship with God, you've got to know God's righteousness. And uh, you know, for us to know God's righteousness, we've got to understand what is righteousness to God. I mean, what is righteousness to God? What is God's own righteousness? What is our own righteousness? And then, um, how does one become righteous? You know, in the gospel, we learned that faith is very essential because it is what connects us to God. So, the beginning of our journey into God is the beginning of our faith. There is no work with God. There is no coming into God without faith. Faith is believing on the Son of God. And what are we believing? Believing that it was offered for our offenses and that it was grace for our justification. And that is the gospel. So it is when this simplicity of the gospel is taught and you have faith in it that you are connected into what God is doing. So the gospel is what God is doing now and what he intends to do in the future. So how come the righteousness? Now, righteousness is necessary because it is the move of God for now. Righteousness is God's, not God's revival. You know, I have taught people I have prayed for revival. I have fasted for it. But when you look at the old scriptures, you see that what God is laboring to do is not to revive people, is to remake people. But we speak of revival when after God had started his work in our lives, we begin to look focus on what God is doing and we begin to focus on other things or those things God are doing are no longer real or exciting to us. Then we call for a revival. They need to refocus on what God is doing or they need to rekindle what God had begun. That's revival. But when you look at the old scope of God, God's intention is not to give us revival. God's intention is to give us himself, which is righteousness. So as you seek to understand God, there are a lot of things you've got to know about him. You've got to know about his power, his grace, his love for you, his dealings with man. But of all you must understand, of all you must understand, you have to understand what righteousness is. Now look at that scriptures in Romans chapter 1 verse 17. I've been looking at that scriptures and I don't think I can exhaust it because it seems to me to be the introduction of the whole gospel of Apostles to the Roman Christians. And you know, the core reasons, there are other reasons, but number one reason while Apostle Paul wrote Romans, the book of Romans to those Christians is to reveal God's righteousness. And I don't just want to lose, use the word righteousness loosely. I want to be careful how I handle it because <laughs> our knowing of God after salvation, I mean, our ability to comprehend God's work in our life and what is working out of us is based on our righteousness. 
Now, why had Christ come to die? Righteousness. Why is the world the way it is today? Righteousness. Why are there problems in the world? Righteousness. I mean, everything answers to righteousness. Why did God add controversies with nations? Righteousness. Why did he overcome um, and overthrow nations because of the matter of righteousness? Why would he even allow his own covenant people, I mean the Jews, to be to be to be um, to be taken to captivity righteousness so everything in our relationship rise and fall on the matter of righteousness so my goal in this discussion you know i've done a lot of teachings on this line but it seems to me i've not been able to enunciate to clarify and to bring out the truth of god's word on regards of righteousness and let me quickly say this yes it occurs to me now that righteousness is god's requirement from us and then the revelation of God's righteousness and the term righteousness itself is progressive. Righteousness to Adam is for him not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was righteousness to him. Now, how does that become righteousness to him? It became righteousness to him because that was the requirement for his age. Okay, now righteousness to Abraham is not righteousness to Adam. Righteousness to Abraham was that he believed God, and the scripture says it was accounted for righteousness. Now, what is righteousness to Abraham? Righteousness to Abraham is believing God. So, righteousness is not just one thing, it is the requirement of God for the moment. And we have got to understand God's requirement for now, not just for then. Because God's requirement for then is not the requirement for now. And the good news is that we have come to the apex of God's revelation of himself. Although we fully understand the intent of that revelation when we cross from this side of life. I mean, when the Son of God came to, 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 to establish or to physicalize his kingdom here on earth. But we've got to understand the progressive revelation of God in the scriptures. It wasn't that God changed. Now, for, for instance, look at what God told um, um Moses in um, Exodus chapter 6 verse 3, he said, look, say I'm the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac also, and the God of Jacob. I've not changed though. He said, I revealed myself to them in the name El Shaddai, which means the Almighty. And the word El means the strongest. And Shaddai means the sufficient or the one that can feed you. But he said, but the name Jehovah, which is Adonai, I am not known to them. Now, why would God come and then return? Introduce himself to Moses by the name Adonai. Meanwhile, in Exodus chapter 3, verses, we saw that there was a, a different introduction of God to Moses. When you get to Exodus chapter 33 and Exodus chapter 34, you saw another demonstration of God. Intermittently between Exodus chapter 20 and some other scripture where God had to appear in, in, in cloud and glory um, in cloud of fire or in glory cloud. You see that God revealed himself in different dimensions. But of all God's dealings with Moses and every other uh, prophets, judges, and apostles, you see that that revelation was progressive. So, righteousness is not one thing. Righteousness is many things. And we only grasp God by knowing righteousness. You know, I have seen new creatures quoting 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And I wish we know what is meant by that. Okay, actually, when I want to do that scriptures, I like reading um, um, Romans 1 
um, 17 for in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith um, then uh, I, 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 I like reading Romans chapter 3 I think verse 23 no before 23 I think 19 20 it says that for the righteousness of God is revealed from heaven being witnessed by the prophet and the law even the righteousness that is by faith Alright, then I then move on to that portion I call 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He made him to know sin who had no sin, that I may become God's righteousness. No, you know, you know, I've heard people quote, but I don't think whether we've, we've actually looked at what is meant by righteousness. So in this discourse, as briefly as the Holy Ghost will me, I have told you this is not my first teaching on the righteousness. I have taught a lot and I've written extensively, but it seems to me that I've not been able to touch the substance. I am trusting God to bring me to the point where I am able to simplify righteousness and the Holy Ghost is confronting me with the fact that I should tell people that it is God's requirement for them. So when God said that God had made Christ is a righteousness for us, contextually what Apostle Paul was saying in that portion of the scriptures is to tell us that now Christ had to take my place in order for me to be who God wants me to be. That is a way to explain it. Or I can say what Apostle Paul meant was that Christ took my place so that I can start living rightly. Because, you, you know, let me teach this. I think it's very essential. Why am I doing this teaching? One, I want to contextually explain Apostle Paul's um, addictive use of the word righteousness. And I've told you in the, in, in the, in the past teachings that one of the persons that kept on using that word righteousness 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 is possible it appeared in all other portions of the scriptures but apostle paul used it in the sense that it is god's basic requirement now look at romans chapter 9 verse 1 to 5 romans chapter 10 verse 1 to 5 now let me quote romans chapter 10 verse 1 to 5 i'm quoting scriptures by heart so i'm giving summary by heart so that we can touch substance now in romans chapter 10 1 to 5 you see that apostle said look my heart is great for my people even my countrymen the israelite he said that they not knowing the righteousness of the righteousness of god go or went about to establish their own righteousness so what is apostle paul saying about righteousness and never you forget that that was one of the first place apostle paul is using the word righteousness as you read further that portion of scripture chapter 10 of roman you see that it talks about that with the heart man believes unto righteousness so what is the legsim the legsim of the term righteousness and why is Apostle Paul using it over and over? Now, when I begin to study, I don't want to take it. I've read a lot of authors on, well, maybe a few authors, but I've read Kenyon. I know if there's any Bible great, if there's any great teacher of the Word of God, we have to make reference to, or we have to read when it comes to clarity of simple terms. Kenyon stand to be one of them. There are other people too, like uh, John Knox, like um, John Calvin those protestant and then uh, the um uh, we call them protestant and um, i've forgotten the other term we use in referring to them we have to listen to the protestants or we could call them the puritan fathers and even as soon as i'm done with this teaching i'm going to go back to dr ryle and see what dr ryle has said on this issue i'll read ab simpson because this concept had been had been socialized i mean had been given a social context one had been had been confused with terms like holiness 
Uh, and I think that's the simplest thing we want to do. I've explained that our righteousness is not holiness and our holiness is not righteousness. Okay? But that righteousness is the basic requirement for holiness. Okay? But uh, maybe we'll touch those terms, but let me be progressive. What I'm still um, playing around is the term righteousness and what is actually meant by that in discourse of the content of the scriptures. And I've told you in time past that that word is a legal thing. And then when you read Apostle Paul's um, letter, letters, you see that Apostle Paul made use of legal terms more than any other persons. Why? Because he was a lawyer. In fact, in Acts chapter 24, I was reading some days within this week, the Bible said that when the wife of one of the guys that should listen to Paul concerning the matter of or the matters the Jews accused him of came and they said before the husband came around the wife had to engage Paul and it happened that Felix was there and the Bible said when Felix would speak with them about it this way that Paul only mentioned three things one he mentioned that God is temperance that is God can tolerate things that God is loving that it's not rash that it's not just doing things or trying to victimize people or 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 that is is, is an embittered God who who had been disappointed by the state of the things in the world and is trying to victimize mankind he talks about God's temperance then he talks about God's righteousness then he spoke about the judgment to come. So the old discourse of Apostle Paul to Felix was how God is temperate. Is temperate rather. How and to be temperate means to endure, to long suffer, to be able to, to understand others or consider others. And Apostle and the scripture said that he speak of God's righteousness. Why righteousness? That is, he spoke to Felix God's requirement from man. Never you forget that. In that same portion, the writer of told us that this doctor look at told us that one of the things Felicis expected from Paul that would not make him to that, that that wouldn't make him to 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 be released or to let him go because he had found nothing wrong in him was because he expected that Paul will give a bribe. And maybe Paul too, knowing that fact that this guy expected a bribe and I will not give a shishi or a dime, had to take that occasion to tell Felix what God requires, the norm of God, in fact. I think God is giving us another definition. Righteousness is God's norm for mankind. It is God's design for mankind. It is the way God had ordained man to live before the fall. And I will take you through the scriptures. But the Holy Ghost, after giving me scriptures, I began to see Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 in my spirit. I began to see Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 or so in my spirit now. And those scriptures talk about for, for knowledge, predestination. You know, one of the most powerful scriptures that I don't think people have paid attention to. There are those portions of scriptures where Apostle Paul will talk about for ordination, predestination. And that is that is questionable. How would you be talking of now? And then when you are speaking of now, all you would do to explain now is to talk about then. What Apostle Paul is, to, is telling us or revealing to us that God had not changed his scheme. Okay, I think it is necessary now to quote um Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. I will quote by heart. I'm quoting scriptures by heart. And that's one of the essences of studying scriptures long. You know? I don't study to preach. Although I study because I want to preach in order to be able to clarify things. But I have studied in time past, not because I'm a preacher, I study because it is one of the things that make me grow. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. Apostle Paul said that to the praise of his glory. Wherein he had made us actually the old thing started from verse uh, five. Okay, let me start from verse three rather. Ephesians one three. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Now, all that Apostle Paul wants to explain from verse three to verse seven, he called them spiritual blessings. 
And everything they mentioned can be summarized in the single word grace. So Apostle Paul defined grace. And let me say, let me present to you how he says it. He said, look, he said, blessed be God that is why we, we, we rejoice in God, we bless God, we thank God, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places that he had given us everything we need to live our spiritual life or to live life to the fullest to live life as he ought and this he had ordained for us from heaven okay he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places just as has ordained us before him before the foundation of the world verse 4 i'm going to verse 4 by heart now so just as has ordained us in other words the realities of christ is the realities of god's intention before creation so apostle went further to unravel what was happening behind the scene before genesis 1 1 and what was that he said just he chose us so there was an election romans chapter 9 is coming through my spirit now where apostle Paul, no chapter 11 apostle Paul spoke about predestination talks about divine election and grace he compared the two and then when he was running off chapter 11 he said look all the wisdom of god have unfathomable and they are and they are past finding out but then apostle Paul gave us a glimpse of this thing that can we that we can't find out he said just he has chose us in name before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless in him in love wow that is amazing so there was a standard of conformity. God was not just curious, was just not excited, was not just busy, or was just was, was just so 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 um so um how do I say it? It was it was at leisure. He has nothing to do, and he felt okay. What can I do? Okay, let me get myself busy. Okay, let me just create something. Let me just do something. I don't just want to be to 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 be playing all around. So creation was not because God wanted to be busy. There was a plan. Apostle Paul said, just as he chose you. So, he said, he, never you forget that it's a continuation of thought. Verse 3 said, he had blessed you with all spiritual blessings. That is, hey, the gospel is the reality of God's intention. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed you. Now, check the word at H-A-T-H. That was the uh, Queen Elizabeth English. But in this generation, if that is the render we have, he had blessed you. With all spiritual blessings. Now, what are spiritual blessings? They are the substance by which man wants God wants man to live. They are God's design for man. And that was why man is not just all body, man is a spirit, man is not just all brain, man is a spirit. So the, the scheme or the technology, the software that God wants to run man is righteousness. He said, just as he chose you in him, that you should be blameless before him. And he said, this blamelessness is a rebuke of love. And one of the favorite scriptures I use in explaining this is found in 2 Thessalonians. Is it 2nd or 1st now? I'm, I'm even confused. I think it's 2nd. Is it 2nd or 1st? I'm confused. Do not mind me. But I know it is in chapter 4. I'm very sure it's chapter 4. But let's take 2nd Thessalonians. I don't want to open the scriptures this morning. I'm, I'm just doing a synopsis. And never you forget my goal is to explain the term righteousness. And we are going to look at the righteousness of God. Then I'm going to look at my own righteousness in God. Then I'm going to look at what I become as God's righteousness. Those are the four points I'm looking at. And this is essential in my relationship with God. Okay? You know, my wife was telling me about a, a, a lady that went visiting somebody. And then I think something happened. And then I don't know what happened. But she, it, it was against righteousness. Now, against righteousness, against the norm against the social requirements in other words when we explain righteousness we have got to explain it biblically before we look at it by the society so if you want to justify your own righteousness by what the society defines or by what your church defines you are going to wrong god 
and you will never be at peace with God. And we have seen contextual so, so, uh, uh, righteousness. For, for instance, you are not you are not strange to to statement like this. How will he behave like that? A Christian should not behave like that now. And finally, who is saying that somebody who is not even born again? So such person has his own righteousness. What he expect from you? So righteousness is the norm of a society. But now that is a is 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 a, is a, is a societal um, um, the society concepts or conception of it. In other words, when I talk about the society concept of it, I'm talking about the sociological perspective. I have read philosophy on this issue. I have to read Sagel two days ago on the philosophy of morality because I am really looking at what righteousness is. I'm Nodet talk, told me about ethics, which he, 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 he synonymously called morality. And he talks about meta-ethics. And there he talks about rationality, he talks about the knowledge of good and bad. But now, I'm driving at the point. Now, never you forget what I've made so far, that righteousness is contextual in scriptures. And when Apostle Paul used it, he made God's requirement from you. Now, let me quote that scripture I was quoting. Okay, okay, I, 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 was, I was still on Romans, um, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. He said, just as he chose you before the world to walk in him in love. And I want to quote another scripture in 2 Thessalonians chapter 4. Um, no, chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. 12 and 13. Apostle said, just as you have he made a statement, but now said that okay, said that I want to abound more and more in love towards the brethren, number one, towards all men, too. And he said, just as you have seen us walk in love, that is verse 12. Now, verse 13 now says that that God may establish your heart blameless in righteousness, like that. Let me read from the scriptures so that I can pick it accurately. Because I'm, I'm doing a sensitive work. I'm trusting that by the Holy Ghost, I will be able to speak in a clear terms and explain this term forever so that you can know that now we are pleasing to God, that now we can please God, that now we, we, we are not just confused as to what God requires from us. We know exactly what God is, is, is requiring from us. Alright, step is first Thessalonians, please not second. Now I'm going to read from chapter three. It's a very powerful scriptures. A very powerful scripture. And when the Holy Ghost showed me, I was just flagabasted. And that's why I, I don't know when the Holy Ghost tells me to teach. You know, I've listened to preachers, especially the, the Pentecostal fathers. I don't want to mention names now. Or maybe I need to mention there's no secret here. You know, in the letters of Apostle, you see me mentioning names. I've listened to uh, Pastor Kumi on 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 consecration on sanctification on holiness. I've listened to Washmanin, and I've read their books. I've listened to Doctor A. W. Tozat. I've listened. I've, I've listened to um 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 um, um uh, Leonard Ravan Hill. I've read Edward Burns, so you can know my foundation, my knowledge in the Word of God. Apostle Paul said that so that you can know my knowledge in the Word of God. Forgot what he was talking about. Okay, yes, yes, that's Ephesians chapter 3. He said, he said, I've written to you about the mystery that have been made known to me by revelation so that you can understand the basis of this revelation. So sometimes when we come to preach as preacher, we have to let you know what we have been exposed to. Okay? Like I heard one prominent minister of God said in Nigeria, he said, look, do you think I'm reading the Bible alone to teach you? He said, I'm reading other books. So let me let you understand my background in the scriptures. I've read Puritan's fathers. 
And you know that when the Puritan fathers talked, they talked about two things. They talked about holiness unto the Lord. They talked about righteousness. And they talked about Christian devotion. That's what they write about. So I'm not just speaking charismatically. Okay. Now, let me read that scripture so that I can let you see a glimpse of what was on God's mind before man was brought forth. Then we begin to understand righteousness as Apostle Paul revealed to us by the revelation of God. And never you forget that everything Apostle Paul was teaching us, he had told us in Galatians chapter 1, in Galatians chapter 2, in Galatians chapter 3, that they came by revelation. In fact, it, my, one of my favorite scriptures, Galatians 2, 2, he said that I went up by revelation. Ephesians chapter 3, uh, I think verse 8 or 9, in one of those verses, he said, Look, he said, Look, said, How he made known to me by revelation. And I've written in this revelation so that you can understand the basis of my revelation. So, what we are dealing with here is not just concept, it's not post theology, it is God's revelation to us. That now we are pleasing to Him. That now I can walk with God. And that's why I like W. Kenyon's definition of righteousness. But Baba Kenyo did not tell us the foundation of the truth he revealed. Even just this morning, I've quickly glimpsed into what he said about righteousness. I'm going through his work, the two kinds of righteousness. Now, I'm going to read that work, but now, Kenyo told us, maybe your pastor have told you, but what part your pastor told you, maybe is Kenyo's work. That righteousness is the ability to stand before God without a sense of guilt or inferiority complex. But Kenyo did not tell us what brought about that confidence that made man to be able to stand before God with that inferiority complex. In one of those lines, I think um, the, 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 the chapter is titled, uh, maybe the problem of man, no, man as he is. There's a, type, a part of the book titled Man as he is. There he said that man lacked the approach to God. But when he comes to teach righteousness, he told us that righteousness is man's ability to stand before God without the sense of guilt or, or immorality. Uh, um, the sense of guilt or inferiority complex. Now, the question is, what is that thing that empowers you to stay before God? And that is the goal of Apostle Paul when he wrote to Romans. That now we can stand before God, not by the law of do and don't. That reminds me of Colossians chapter 3. Apostle Paul went on to talk about the substance of things. And said, those substance is not in the laws. In that, it's not in the do and don't. That reminds me, Galatians chapter 3. Apostle Paul spoke about the fact that we are believing the Lord Jesus Christ that we may be justified. Now, check the word justify. The Greek word is dikeus. And dikeus means to be counted guiltless. So, to be, to, to be justified means you are not justified just because God was using his veto power to justify, to clear you. He had actually seen you guiltless. How was that guiltlessness possible? Then we, we understood what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 said. They said Christ was the, was, the, was the scapegoat. So Christ was my scapegoat so that I can have a scapegoat grace. Now the word scapegoat is, is uh, they, they, they are coming from the word escaping good, which is uh, seen in the tradition of the the tradition of the of the Jews, where a goat is meant to escape into the wilderness to bear the punishment of the people. And when that goat is meant to do that, you can read that from Hebrews chapter 9. There is an overlooking of the sins of the people. So Christ was our scapegoat, so that our sin will not count. But that does not still talk about righteousness, because righteousness is not somebody bearing your sin. Righteousness is being right so that you can live right. Actually, righteousness means doing right. But you know that philosophically and sociologically, 
it is true that nobody can live right without being right. So there is no being right without living right. And that's why in this, in even the gospel, what became important to God first in giving us righteousness to make us right. And how do I explain that? Okay, let me use that scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. Whoever is in Christ is a new creature. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new, and all things become of God. Then it says that you have become an ambassador to God, and you are, you are reconciled to God, and He had given you the ministry of reconciliation. Now, He gave you an assignment, something to do, but before something to do, He made you right. He becomes a new creature. And that new creature, first, uh, I say first, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, explains that that new creature is according to God. So God made you back himself before he requests righteousness. So righteousness is, is God's, not just his requirement first, but is, 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 it is, well, it is God's requirement from us. In that one, it requires that we look to Christ who had become of offense. It's a requirement. That God requires us to be pleased, like God saying that, look, if you want me to be pleased with you, you want me to overlook your wrongs. Okay, now, see what my son has done for you. I want you to see what my son has done for you. That will make your heart to be open to me. And when my heart, your heart is open to me, I come and dwell inside of you. And henceforth to begin to live rightly. Also, please help me to summarize this. Now, we are tracing righteousness. And I want to look at it, look at it contextually by what Apostle Paul meant by righteousness whenever he writes. I want to touch you with such simplicity. We have seen what Kenyon told us. That it is the ability to stand before God without sense of guilt. What was that thing? Man did not have the right to stand before God. For instance, look at what happened in Genesis chapter 3. At the instance of what happened, God sent a dam out of his presence. Okay? And that happened literally, but it happened spiritually. It is an, uh, a, a demonstration of the fact that man can no longer stand before God. And ever since then, Romans chapter 3 told us that man never sought God. It was God who went back seeking him. And go and check all through the scriptures. Why, are, why was God raising prophets and judges? It was God reaching out to men. Man was, mankind, when I say mankind, let me say man, you use the word man. Mankind or man had never sought God. I like what A.W. Spooza said in his book. The pursuit of God. He said, before anybody can think of coming back to God, it means that God has sought that person. So, the, the problem of man is that man does not seek God. And in Romans chapter 1, Apostle Paul explained to us that the problem of man is not sin. It's not wickedness. It's not corruption. It's not rape. It's not fornication. It's not immorality. That the problem of man is separation from God. Immediately man, man was made to to go out of God's presence, was banished from God's presence, he could not live rightly. And that's where the need for righteousness comes from. So, beside the fact that it's a sociological concept, it's a religious concept too. He made him to know sin who had no sin. That you may become God's own righteousness. Now, I want to see what it meant. He, so from, let, 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 let me use that scripture. He made him to know so what knows that you may become righteousness means that so that you can become God's requirement. So you can become that kind of a man God wants to be. You know, Apostle Paul spoke about a kind of man that God is trying to build or to 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 to, to create. That kind of man that has the zeal of God. That scripture came now, but it's not seen. So the idea of righteousness is God's requirement from us, which is not 
a requirement that is based on do and don't. It is based on one that Christ was made sin for you. And then in getting along, you have got to see what God is doing now, like I told you. That is inputting righteousness. I, I wish I can recollect that scriptures. I think Romans chapter 3. That God, okay, it's still that second Corinthians chapter 5. Said God is no longer accounting uh, 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 the sins of the world against it, but now he is looking at inputting righteousness that is inputting in man, not just by orient, orientating man as to what is required of him, but that in, 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 in bringing himself into man. You know, when in the society you want to teach man how to be good or how to live rightly, what you do to that man is that you begin to educate that man. You show him what is required of him. You train him. Okay. But in the case of God, God does not show us by training us. What God does is that he, he destroyed the old man and brought us into himself. Now, let me show you that scripture first. And by this scripture, I'm showing you in this first Thessalonians chapter 4. Chapter 3, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm showing the fact that this thing we came into today was what was on God's mind before the foundation of the world. And check it, I read, I won't explain again. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one towards another and towards all men, even as you do, as we do towards you. This is Paul writing to the Thessalonian Christians. And this, uh, this is where the best kind of believers who actually were working exactly in God's intention. Go and read Thessalonians. You see that Apostle Paul never raised an issue against Thessalonians. He wrote to commend their faith. He wrote to encourage them to do more of what they have started. Unlike what he wrote in, Coloc uh, in Romans, trying to call the people to see God's righteousness, God's new way of doing things. So righteousness is God's way of doing things. Okay, now, um, in Thessalonians, he was showing them that they have come to eat the target of God. They have eat God's jackpot. Now, they have got to explore this jackpot they've touched. Now, he said, and the Lord make you increase, I'm reading verse 12 again, and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Verse, verse 13, please listen to this, to the end. He may establish your heart unblameable. Now, check it. Why do they need to walk in love and increase more and more in love? Now, he says, this is the end of love. That he may establish your heart unblameable in holiness before God. In other words, there cannot be holiness without love. So, holiness strive through love. No, I, I was mentioning the fact that I've listened to people like Pastor Kumi, Pastor Adeboya, and those preachers of holiness. And they have taught holiness as a doctrine, as a major teaching. But I have not just seen it as a teaching, I saw it as an end of it, of, 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 of our reality in Christ. Here the scripture says, look, you are going to live holy, that is, you are going to live rightly, you are going to demonstrate God, because holiness is the demonstration of God in character. When you can walk in love, and that was that was what Apostle Paul meant in that place I quoted in um, Ephesians chapter 1, verse that he had chose us before the foundation of the world so that we can walk blameless before him in love. So love and holiness are inseparable things. So now let's begin to look at uh, chapter 4 verse 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus. Now check this one. These are instructions of Jesus Christ. 
showing us how we ought to live that you that as ye have received of us how you how ye ought to walk and to please god so you should abound more and more so righteousness is the way to pleasing god righteousness is how you ought to walk righteousness is the truth of god is that which may be known of god that have been expressed in christ righteousness is is john chapter 1 verse 18 no one has seen god at any time but the only begotten son had declared god so it is what has been revealed of god that is expected of man to meet up with and the problem is that man cannot meet up with it without christ and when we come to see what christ had represented in that in that he had Come to help us to meet God's intention, to meet up with God's standard, to meet up with divine requirements. Then we begin to see what it meant to be saved. So when we actually subscribe to the fact that Christ had come to help us and we surrender to making him happy us, that is when we say that you are saved. Now, never forget Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do not forget what I've just read for you now. You have to link scriptures. He said that, look, we have showed you by the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it is through the Lord Jesus Christ we've got to know how to please God and how we ought to live. Never forget Romans chapter 16 and 17. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to everyone that believes, first to the Jews and second to the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of God. The way to pleasing God, God's requirement is revealed. So, we have seen what righteousness is, that it, it, contextually, from the scriptures, it means the norm of God, the design of God for, for, for man, the normacy of God for man. And once this normacy is attained, is achieved through believing in what Christ has done, we are able, by the grace of God, to be pleasing with God. And as a result, we can now stand before God. And that is why it is necessary I read these scriptures. Romans chapter 4. There are a lot of scriptures to do, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to select. I don't, I don't like referencing, but sometimes you have to do quick references because we can't go through the whole of portion of the scripture. The whole portion of the scriptures, else we won't leave. Now, look at Romans chapter 4. I'm going to Romans chapter 4, verse 24 and 25. Then we we'll go to Romans chapter 4. And so then we we'll go to Romans chapter 5. Uh, let me say from 23 down to 25. You see what Apostle Paul wrote for us. Now, it was written for his sake. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed. Now, Apostle Paul told us of how Abraham became righteous in God. I said this righteousness is not of work because the righteousness the people under the law knew of is the righteousness that is according to the law in that you do all that is written in the law. For instance, Apostle Paul quoted Moses in Romans chapter 10 that Moses said that whoever does the same shall live by them. In other words, he said Moses wrote about the righteousness that is of the Lord that whoever does it. In other words, righteousness or right living in the dispensation of the law which took about 400 years was based on the doing of the law. I think I should be, I, I feel I can show you, uh, show you um, 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 uh, Leviticus chapter 19, where God began to, to, to tell rather the Israelite that this righteousness I'm showing you has to do with doing, and you shall keep my statutes. So, righteousness in the law has to do with the keeping of statutes, the keeping of the commandment. But the righteousness Abraham 
add was the righteousness that is based on believing God. Now, one fact I'm explaining here, that the revelation of God's righteousness or righteousness in the scripture is progressive. But now we have seen the, the, the real expression of righteousness, which is now that it is faith in Christ. So righteousness today is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is no righteousness outside of this. But it has two facets. One, it begins with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Two, it, 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 it proceeds into fellowship with God. And three, the end result of fellowship with God is that God is lived through us. That's what Apostle Paul means whenever he writes, when he talks about walking worthy of the gospel or living according to the gospel. So let me read the scriptures in order to prove something to you. You are trusting God's righteousness. So when... Um, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 4 verse 23 that it was not only in him that this righteousness was imputed. It was telling us the principle by which one became righteous. It showed us how Abraham became righteous. Now he began to tell us that this is possible for everyone too. That you can live rightly, you can live a life without offense. That was what Paul told Felix when he was defending himself and the high priest ordered that he should be slapped. And Paul said, well, look, why would you slap me? Though the scripture did not tell us why Paul was slapped, but when you read that, when you read that scripture, the high priest knew what it meant to say that you don't have a conscience uh, full of guilt before God, because everybody is living under guilt. What guilt that you cannot live up to standard as God had required of you? So righteousness is living up to God's standard, and what is that standard? It used to be progressive before Christ, but now in Christ it is a fixed righteousness, which is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then being yielded to allow God's life to be lived through you. It's the manifestation of God in your flesh. Not just by praying, not just by blasting tongues, not just by, uh, by, by church attendance or by walking in church, by giving fat offerings. It is in good works too. Because righteousness has to do with doing. Romans chapter 10, Apostle Paul said, Whoever the righteousness of the law is of this end, that whoever does them, whoever does, does it shall live by it. That's the righteousness by the law. But he said, The righteousness of faith is on this wise. If you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus. So, how do you become righteous in Christ? By believing in the Lord Jesus. And I want to prove this. Not even by going to Romans chapter, chapter 10 now. I want to prove it by going to, um, what was it called? By showing you from Romans chapter 4. Then we move to Romans chapter 5. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What is the place boss here? Each, I have to run off. Um, okay, let me quickly read that scripture. Now, it was not imputed for his sake alone that it now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him that this righteousness was imputed to him but for us also to whom it shall be imputed now how do we now become righteous apostle said now righteousness will be accounted or will be imputed to us account means that to be regarded to us to be accrued to us and said it shall be imputed how do we become righteous he said if the condition to righteousness is if you believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses 
and was raised again for our justification. Never you forget that there is no justification except there is righteousness. You know, when a person goes to law court and then is 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 accused guilty or is accused or is a suspect, now he will plead his cause bef- before the judge, and the judge can either de- declare him justified or guilty. I mean, the judge act. Uh, we act we either prove him acquainted or guilty guilty there's no offense in him they have not done anything wrong with but um um sorry guilty if you have done things wrongly or guilty or acquainted or justified if you have, if you have done nothing wrong with so apostle said look we are able to stand before god without offense because we have been declared guiltless and how did we did we did, did we uh, attain that state of guiltlessness was it because we did something that day was it because we kept law apostle said no but because somebody had been made an offense in other words we actually did something wrong but somebody had been sentenced on our behalf and because i've been sentenced on our behalf now we have been made right now we have been we have been justified that we have been declared guiltless but we are not just de- declared guiltless and when we left the law court we now began to start doing wrongly or living the normal life no it now after we have been declared guiltless then god now puts on us the ability to live rightly so two things one to be guiltless and to have the ability to live rightly we have all that in christ so when apostle paul said that it is in the gospel that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It meant that it is when Christ came to die that we know what God requires of us. Which is that we should put our faith in Him who raised Him from the dead. And once we put our faith in Him, that faith in Him equates righteousness. So righteousness is no longer in the doings. It is more in believing, in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the point I'm making. It is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, back to the four questions that brought me to this discussion. Number one is, what is righteousness? Righteousness is the normacy of God. Number two, I want to give you five definitions. Two, it is the requirement of God from a man. Number three, it is the design of God before the creation of the world that man should walk in. There's a scripture coming to my uh, spirit where Paul talks about uh, that we should walk. Uh, okay, that is that is Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. We are the workmanship of God, unto good work which God had ordained before the foundation of the world that you should walk in them. So righteousness is what God had ordained that you should walk in, and that what is that righteousness He had ordained you to walk in the same man Christ Jesus that you should walk in Christ. So that is righteousness. So there's no other way to be righteous. So when Apostle Paul now talks about the Father, he had made him to be sin for us who had no sin, so that we can become the righteousness of God. He speaks how that he speaks about how that Christ had bore our sins on the cross. Christ had suffered for us so that we can now be able to to meet up the requirement of heaven. You know, so that we can live life that is pertaining to god because he had given us all that pertains to life now and godness now christ is that which pertains to life and godliness 
I don't know whether you understand what I'm talking about, but I believe the Holy Ghost will give you light. Maybe you, need to, you may need to listen to this audio. He made him to be saved for us. In other words, he made him to suffer for you. He that had no sin, the person that is not guilty, that you may become the righteousness of God. That is, that you may become what God is demanding to be right in his sight. So righteousness is what is right in God's sight. And what is right in God's sight is not as to whether you put on one, one trousers or you do not put on one trousers. Or you acted one way or you do not put on, you didn't act one way. Or you speak one thing or you do not speak one thing. Or you acted one kind or you do not act what you do not act one kind. What is right in the sight of God is that everybody should come and tow behind Jesus Christ as his righteousness. And once you do that, you are righteous before God. And because you are righteous before God, God himself will come to live on the inside of you that through you now it can begin to manifest. That was what Apostle Paul was saying to that to those Colossians to those Colossians or to those Colossian believers when he said that you may know what that you may walk worthy of God, fully pleasing him in all things, that you may walk worthy of God, that you may live as God requires of you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I beseech you, brother, to walk worthy of your vocation. Walk worthy means to walk according to requirement, to meet up with the requirement. So righteousness is God's requirement for a man. It's not in the doing, Colossians chapter 3. It's not in the touch, not taste, not handle, not which we are shadows of things. So let me quickly do a synopsis of uh, what I started with. One, I said, righteousness is progressive. To Adam, it is not eating the fruit of the tree of good and bad. To Noah, it is building an ark and staying in the ark. To Enoch, it is walking with God in the midst of perversion. To Lot, it is leaving Sodom and Gomorrah to the mountains. Okay? To the Israelites, it is keeping the commandment of God. And from that time of the Jews to the time Christ appeared, righteousness was left at that level, keeping the law of Moses. But when Christ showed up the righteousness of god has changed which is in christ now it is very expedient i show you romans chapter 3. okay now i've read romans chapter 4. now look at romans chapter 5. what happened to us as a result of believing in christ therefore having been justified by faith you have peace with god through our lord jesus christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace we are we stand and rejoice in the hope of god and not only so but we glory in tribulations also knowing that Tribulation worketh patience. Now, in chapter 5 of Romans, Apostle Paul began to, to review to us the consequence of Romans chapter 4, verse 23 to 25. That once you have believed in him, who had raised up Jesus Christ, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. So, what do we believe about Christ? It's good to believe that he's the Son of God. It's good to believe that he's the Messiah. It's good to believe that he was a prophet. It's good to believe that he wrote miracles. It's good to believe that he was a good man who lived. 
it's good to believe that they fed the hungry multitude. But if you have not believed that it was delivered on your own behalf, that this is it was your substitute, it suffered for your sin, then you have not believed. And if you have not believed, you have not you are not yet free from your sins. So Apostle Paul said, if you have believed that it was delivered for your offenses and it was raised for your guiltlessness, then chapter 5 said, therefore, based on this fact, you can now have peace with God. Now, what is the cause of peacelessness? That there is a, a, a problem between God and I. And what was that problem? That I kept on breaking his laws. That I cannot do what he asked me to do. It's just like a parent would ask his son to do certain things. And the son refuses to do. You know, as long as that child refuses to do it, there cannot be the peace between the parent and the child. That was the problem with mankind and God. But immediately you believe God. That he raised Christ not just from the dead because christ ought to die and had mercy on christ no but that he suffered for you the word of god said that the quarrel between you and god is said so christ is the is the is the is the reconciliation between god and man christ set to the quarrel between god and man and that began to make us to understand ephesians chapter 2 where apostle paul told us the effects of the cross in that it had broken down the wall of partition that as a result i that was far off now i am made near by the blood of christ maybe we are going to see that scriptures but now i want to see from romans chapter 5 the consequence of my faith in christ now i am justified now one i am guiltless now i have Peace with God and both peace with God, both justification, both righteousness are all together combined. Are all together combined and they are all called together. Grace. So, what is grace? Chapter 2 explains grace. He said, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Now, what is this grace which we stand? Grace is justification, grace is righteousness, grace is salvation, grace is redemption, grace is peace with God. Hallelujah. So, grace is not somebody walking up to you and then giving you car keys. Or giving you keys to a building or grace is not the fact that your boss laid off everybody in the office and speared you that is a kind of grace because grace means unmerited favor and that favor is not that somebody looks at you and gave you what you are not qualified for and that's god's favor over you and that was because you've been serving god and made you people to show you favor that's not the favor that's not the grace according to the scriptures grace according to the scriptures is expressed in what christ had gave us freely in order to bring us back to god I should be beginning to round off now. I have six minutes more and I'll round off very soon. Um, I, I want to say one more thing, but um, I, I think I've forgotten. Okay, I want to show you lastly as I round off. Okay, before I show you last, let me recap. Four issues I raised when I started out. I said I want to explain what righteousness is in simple terms. And I've told you righteousness is the requirement of God from every man i said righteousness is god's design for every man it is god's nor mercy it is god's calling us to commitment with him it is god's calling us not with co- to covenant with him you know some people talk about the fact that you have covenant with god nobody had covenant with god the gospel is the fulfillment of covenant so we don't have any covenant with god the covenant of god with abraham had been expressed in christ so um Righteousness is meeting up and agreeing to the to the deeds of agreement between Christ 
on our behalf what christ i mean agreeing to what christ had done on our behalf that is righteousness and it's an expression of god's grace an expression of god's kindness to us number two i raised another question what is god's righteousness god's own righteousness is god's commitment to us it is god's doing and dealing with mankind is god's faithfulness is god's tolerance that scripture i quoted verbatim from Acts chapter 24 talks about god's temperance as apostle paul reasoned with felix so it is god's temperance god's ability to extend his covenant and to keep covenants that is god's own righteousness it is god's doing god's way of existence okay let me let me let, me let you see what i mean by that for instance god promised redemption to mankind in genesis he said that the 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 seed of the son of man will bruise the head of the serpent i said revelation genesis chapter 3 verse 6. now we saw that fulfilled in christ when christ died on the cross his ill was bruised in that it was no to the cross but he bruised the head of the serpent when he led captivity captive and gave gift to the sons of men that is he restored back to men that which man had lost now when god made that covenant nobody was there except adam the serpent and eve and those generations died out but god in his righteousness in his faithfulness in his commitment in his ability to keep covenant had to come centuries after to fulfill that prophecy for instance god promised abraham that he's going to give his seed a land of canaan revel i say revelation why am i, why am, why am I mentioning revelation genesis chapter 12 genesis chapter 13 in Genesis chapter 21, all that God promised to Abraham, we saw that God brought it to pass. The scripture says that, and the Lord fulfilled all that he promised to Abraham, a paraphrase of the scriptures too. But then, when it comes to the, to the property God promised him, it had not become Abraham's legal. In fact, Abraham had to buy some portion. But 450 years after, those Israelites began to take possession. No, it was even, it was even more than that. Between the time of Abraham to the time of going back to captivity was about 200 years. And they spent 430 years in captivity. That's about 600 years. So after about 800 years, that prophecy became fulfilled. Because they spent another 40 years in the wilderness. So God was careful to keep 400 years covenant. So the Bible is written to, to, to display to us God's righteousness. And what is God's own righteousness? In that he deals fairly with people. In that is a God of love. And that is his goal. That as you have come to receive Christ, you should become God's righteousness. You should become the way God is. You should live as you ought to live. That is that. So what is my own righteousness? My own righteousness is not what I do. It's what I am doing because Christ is now working in me. It was what Apostle Paul explains in, um, in Galatians chapter 3, I think verse 29. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. Nonetheless, I live, but not, 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 not I. But Christ lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Another version says, I live according to the faith of the Son of God. So what is my own righteousness my own righteousness is my living because of what christ is doing and what christ had done in me or what christ is doing in me or through me it is um not living my own life but living the life of christ that is in me that's my own righteousness
And what is the implication of this? That I live rightly, that I walk in the spirit. Romans chapter 8, you are indebted to walk in the spirit. So I believe you understand God's righteousness now, more than never before. So can you bless God for this revelation? That now you can please God. That now you know that God is no longer angry with you. Is what blessing God for? Can you say, Father, thank you for this reality? It's a new reality that now you understand God's system of operation. And not just a system of operation, you know what God requires of you. I want to see a scripture, but there's no time. 